Isabel Kuhn, good old Isabel, went to Moody. And she felt she needed to get along with God. She'd already been a school teacher, you know, had her degree, but she went to Moody because she was going to go out under Hutcher Taylor's mission to China. And she kept looking for a place where there wasn't people. Now, I have not stayed in the girls' dorm, but I've stayed in the boys' dorm at Moody. I've spoken at Moody numerous times and have stayed on campus numerous times. And my wife and I went to study how to deal with demonized people at Moody under C. Fred Dickinson, the head theologian there. Uh, we went one summer, my wife and I did. So the only place that she could find in the girls' dorm at Moody Bible Institute where no one would be was the broom closet. You'll read that in that book. And she took a bucket, turned it upside down, took the mops out, sat on the bucket, shut the door, and read her Bible in that closet, the cleaning closet. Listen, if you want to meet with God, you want to meet with him alone, you will find a way because God wants you to find a way because God wants to meet with you more than most of us want to meet with him. And when I finally started praying, and then I went from just praying to going to the secret place, God said to me, where you been? I've been waiting 40 years for you. You know, what took you so long? He'll tell you the same thing. But why wait 40 years, guys? You know, why do you have to lose your hair and half your teeth before you meet with God? I did have full head of hair at one time. Um, I got a picture to prove it. <laughs> okay, now, when I enter in, remember he said, find the place, but this was hard. The hardest thing for me to do, I almost gave up. I thought, maybe I'm not one. My mind goes all the time. Are you guys like that? Your mind just goes all the time. My mind's going all the time. So the first thing I need to do is shut the door. Why am I shutting the door? To shut out distractions. You, God is not going to holler at you. Be still and know that I am what? God. So I need to take care of what? All of the distractions. A friend of mine wanted to start getting along with God, so he went in the family room and they had fish. He's getting really quiet before the Lord, and it was gloop, 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 gloop. You know, the bubbles going up for the fish. Gloop, gloop, gloop. So he didn't know if they should eat the fish or what. You know what I mean? I, I can't. This is driving me nuts. Okay, well, maybe that's not the place for him. But I said, Lord, you've got to help me. I'm all quiet. I've got everything quiet. I'm here all of myself, and my mind is going every which way you could think of. And I tried quieting my mind. I said, Lord, you got to, well, I'll tell you, eventually. I mean, it just wasn't happening. So I thought, well, maybe it can't be for me. You know, God put me together, and my mind goes so many ways. So praying, it isn't so bad. See, praying, something's happening, but all of a sudden, it's dead silence. Just be in a church where there's dead silence. <coughs> <coughs> And hymnals, and I mean, they, people can't stand it. They just can't stand quietness. You, you ever been with it? Be quiet. They rustle papers and drop hymnals, and you know, shut up, kid. I'll wait till I get home. <laughs> Kids, the whole service is long. <laughs> you know? 
Dad's going to get me. Um, <clears throat> I'll give you some ideas. And I'm telling you, it is not easy. Satan does not want you to hear God speaking to you directly. And hear his voice. I have tons of material on how to recognize the voice of God, how to hear the voice of God, and how do I know it's God speaking and so on. We can't give it to you now, but we have all this stuff. You know, when we did these retreats for your dad in the Northwoods, we gave him a 670-page notebook on prayer. And the different aspects of praying. Okay. The first thing you may want to do is to read Scripture. At least focus my mind. See, I'm getting along. I've shut the door. I want to meet God. I want, I want to be still before the Lord. Maybe I've already run through my to-do list for God and all that kind of stuff. But now I want to read a portion of Scripture, something that would help. Another thing to begin to focus more is maybe meditate on a familiar Scripture or on a prayer promise. You know, something that is important where my focus is where it should be. And then I prayed, and I said, God, I kept trying and trying, and I kept thinking, maybe, maybe it isn't, isn't for me. You know, maybe I just couldn't be one of these guys that I read about um, in these books on prayer that I've read. I mean, maybe it just isn't for me. And I said, God, could you quiet my soul? Please quiet my soul. Lord, I want to hear you. Yes, I read your word. Yes, I love scripture. I love spending hours in the word. But I wanted God to speak directly to my heart and to share truth in my heart. And often God has shared stuff, like today, before it happened. I didn't know Bill was going to talk about biographies. And God told me to tell you that story about that guy. He brought it up. I read it years ago. I forgot all about that guy from Australia. I mean, it's amazing. The stuff I'm telling you I haven't talked about, thought about for years. There's more stuff that God told me to tell you. See? And then, after you're quiet before the Lord, I like to end with that. But some people pray first. I'm not saying how you schedule your prayer thing, but you could schedule that. Now, before we get into why pray, I would like to share why you want to draw close to God. And of all of the things that are popping in my mind, um, one of the things was Ghana, Africa. And uh, I went to Ghana, Africa, and um, I was speaking to Christian leaders from 10 Western African countries on spiritual warfare. It was fabulous. All these godly Christian men over big ministries all over these 10 countries in Africa met in Ghana. And I had a wonderful time working with them. But the problem is some of these men are from French-speaking countries, and I don't. You know, I struggle with English, but French, not at all. And so I count the fact there wasn't one Christian leader who didn't have demonic issues either in their family or in their personal life or in their marriage or something. And so um, I met with each one. While others were speaking, I was down underneath, and I counseled these men from early morning to past midnight every single day. And I needed a French person. And so a gal I know by the name of Rebecca, I won't give you her last name, Rebecca and Joy were missionary partners working in uh, Gabon, which is French-speaking, 
And she came to be my interpreter. And so they would tell their, it's, you know, you can speak English, but when you have pain and hurts, you like your heart language, which is not English. So they would speak their French to her, and these guys would be weeping. I didn't know what in the world she was telling. But I'd like to tell you two stories about Rebecca. I've known Rebecca for years. She's now in Fiji Islands. She's married now, and she's in Fiji. But Rebecca said, Jim, I want to tell you, because I was the vice president of the mission she was with, and she said, Jim, I want to tell you, uh, this is so unique. She said, you know, I was in this one part of, of Gabon for four years working in this church. And then Joy and I got the women's ministry going and children's ministry, so now we're in another part of Gabon working. And she said, just before I came here, these, both these things I'm going to tell you happened just before she came. She got a letter from a deaconess in that first church. And that deaconess hated these two girls. And in Africa, the way that if you want to really um, honor somebody is to bring them a meal, a cooked meal. And she would periodically bring these girls cooked meal that she had put poison in. The girls didn't get sick. They didn't die. She upped the poison. She could not kill these two missionaries by poisoning them to death. In Africa, let me tell you, if they want to poison you, they know exactly what to do and how much to give and all that other stuff. It's a major way of killing people. She did not die. She says, Jim, I can't believe this. We didn't know that this woman was trying to kill us. And this woman became a believer because she saw God's protection on these girls. Can God protect you? You can say it. Can you tell me a time that God protected you? You know what I mean? That's what we need. We need stories. People say, yeah, you rattle off all this scripture stuff. But where is it? What have you experienced? People are more want to see Christianity that works than Christian, you know, philosophy and all this other stuff. Okay, what happened just the week before she came to see me? She said, Jim, I got to tell you this. She said, uh, at our church, and I was there just right after Easter, at our church in Africa, that particular pastor will only take members at Christmas and Easter. And they meet with people before Christmas that want to join the church and put them through a lot of questioning and all that stuff. There was a lady came that they didn't know. They put her through the questioning. And the elders said, we vote on her being a member. And he said, I don't feel right about her. They said, well, tell us why. He said, I don't know why. But I don't feel good about this lady, and I don't want to take her as a member. And they said, well, since you're the pastor, okay. So he vetoed her. But guess who shows up at Easter time for the Easter thing? Because, see, when you become a member, you take communion and are baptized. And so this woman came again, and she answered all the questions right. She knew all the lingo and gave all the questions right. So she was baptized. They had this big church service. She took communion, got sick. Joy and Rebecca took her to the pastor's house, which is right next to the church. 
she fell down on the floor, the kitchen's floor, and the pastor walked in and said, tell me who you are, tell me why this is happening, and she started to talk, and she died. God killed her. So here they have a body of a woman from somewhere, no one knew who she was, but they knew she was up in the mountains. And so they came from the mountains to get her body, and they said, do you know who she is? And they said, no. She's the most powerful sorceress in our village. And she said, I will taste the Christian's power. And God struck her dead. Rebecca said, oh, wow. That's a good story to tell before we take communion in church. <laughs> you know, is your heart right with God? You know, are you one of us? You know, that's what it says. The scripture tells us to do that. You know, that, that, there's so many wonderful things that happen in Gabon. I'll give you one more. And this is craziness. I mean, if you can be used of God, God will have people find you to help them. The assistant ambassador from Togo to Ghana found me. I've never been to Togo. You know, I don't know anything about Togo. I don't know anything about this country. And I thought, how did they find me? You know, this is, I mean, I, it's like finding me in New York City, although the city we're in, but it's the largest city in Ghana. It's huge. How did she know I was there? Didn't have a radio broadcast, wasn't TV. How did this woman know I was there? And so she, she asked me to come, and she asked me to pray and dedicate her family to Christ. I said, I'd love to do that, but that was just to get me in the house. So I went to the, the house where the assistant ambassador lived, and she said, pray over my family, and it looked like the Duggars, except the Duggars, and who's the other group? The other one, you know, the beat the piano here. What's their name? The, had to, got together. I mean, this, they were, she had to have litters. I mean, there's all these kids all over the floor, and I'd go, I can't believe this lady has had all these kids. She said, oh, it's all our servants, and I had all the people that work for us at the embassy and everything. It's all their kids, so they wanted me to bless this whole mass of children, which I did. And she said, you know, I hope you won't mind. They're, they're really, they're not in your face. I mean, it's amazing. In, in so many countries, people are very gracious and very kind, and you have to kind of wait to find out, is there anything else you want me to do? She said, yes. She says, we, we are getting a new home, and we want you to go and dedicate that home to the Lord and also cleanse the home of demonic spirits. I said, okay. So we drove to the home, and this had been an, an ambassador's home from another country, which their country had bought this home. Well, we walked into the living room, was probably as big as from that wall to where that wall drops down, and this wide. That's with the living room. Because it would be where you would entertain with all kinds of people. You know what I mean? It was a, this would be where you'd entertain all ambassadors, all important people. It was huge. Hello! Hello! Ah, I love this house. <laughs> you know, so <clears throat> this is a huge room. Well, when you went out of this room, they had, uh, there was like two buildings put together. They hooked together with a roof, but on both ends, they had these blocks that had the design in them. 
You know, the cement blocks you can't see through, but the cement blocks, sometimes they put in patios, they have a design, so the wind blows through. And they had those at both ends. And this thing was almost as big as this room. But it was like outdoors, but with, you know, for rain and everything. And they would have outdoor parties and things there, even though it was part of the house. There was a cement staircase that went up, so I prayed for that. They had locked the door to the kitchen area and where the servants would sleep and all that. So I put my hand on that door and I prayed that God would cleanse. Now I'm praying in English. The, the guy who was taking me around with the ambassador was uh, an African fellow who was with World Vision. And uh, so he went upstairs, walked across a little balcony, that's this big open area, he walked across the balcony and this is where the office would be and where their private rooms would be. That door was locked because the painters locked it and they forgot to bring the keys. They felt really bad about it. I said, well, I'll just put my hand on the door. I put my hand on the door and I prayed and this fellow's in praying the prayer to them in French. I'm saying in English, the, the World Vision guy's saying in French. We walk over and the next wing, and this is where the children are gonna sleep, this is where guests are going to be, all of that, and this whole great big wing, the door was locked. So I put my hand on the door, and I begin to pray. Now, I'm not, I don't think raising your voice gets results. Name of Jesus! You know? Everybody leaves the demons, they're all sitting around, you know? You know, I'm not that kind of a person. Because wait, God has power, not the voice. You understand? The power is him, not the voice. So I'm praying. Now, I'll tell you what happened, but I didn't want them to be worried about what was happening because something was happening that had never has happened to me before when I'm praying over this house. But this guy who's interpreting in French, he got the ghost. I mean, this guy was really... You know what I'm going. You know, I mean, he was really getting into this prayer stuff. And I'm just praying calmly and everything. When I got through praying, this guy said, Something was pushing your hand off the door. I said, Yes. I said, There was a force that was trying to not only push my hand off the door, but push me over the balcony down on that cement floor. And he said, I know. He sensed them, I felt them. I never said a word. I didn't get all freaky or anything, but this guy sensed the spirit and he was praying in French against it. These people were crying because they felt so bad that these spirits were so powerful that they didn't even want me to lay my hand on a door where they went. And he said this, and I know some of you here are probably of this ethnic group. It's not a put down, it's the truth. He said they were Chinese spirits. I said, how do you know? He said, I know. See, in his mind, he saw these Chinese spirits who were trying to push me off. And I thought, well, what Chinese spirits be doing in Africa in this house? So they checked it out and came and told me, and guess who, what that house was before? The Chinese embassy. Where they, you know, did their stuff. Um, I'll tell you, it's been wonderful walking with the Lord, guys. Country after country after country, place after place after place. It is so thrilling. I'll give you, oh yeah, I get, I'll give you two real quick ones. 
I could give you a lot. See, often you're tested. Do you really believe what God says? Do you really believe that? We always pray God's protection. You want to hear some wild stories? Talk to Paul, who is often my prayer partner and also prays in our office with nice Christian families. He could tell you some stories. See, it used to make my hair rise up, but then it got you know, brittle and it all fell out. Um, <clears throat> but I, it, it doesn't frighten me anymore. Voices coming out of someone does not frighten me. Why do I know? Because the guy who's in me is greater than whatever's talking to me. And the enemy wants me to what? Be afraid. Jesus wasn't afraid. I mean, when he was afraid, he went, what about the gathering? You know, breaking chains, and Ken keeps his clothes on, and everybody's scared to death. He has all this horrendous power. Jesus said, hi, you know, hey, I'm going to talk to you. <laughs> Come on, read the scriptures. Believe the scriptures. I'll just give you two. I was dealing with a youth pastor. In fact, Bill met this youth pastor in Washington, D.C. when the demon spoke out of him and said, what church I went to in Sioux City. I don't know if you know how close Washington, D.C. is to Sioux City in the middle of the United States, but it's at least 1,000 miles. And he says, Jim Logan, you go to this church. And I know two men in that church that are fighting, which was true, and we're going to destroy that church for these two men, named them, and then we're going to take down your office. This is all coming out of the youth pastor. Take down your office, and you're not going to have an office. You know what I told him? I said, fine. I'll fight you out of my garage. You know, it's not, I don't you know, take the building. It's not much of an office anyway. You can have it, you know. <clears throat> I'm not going to be intimidated by these things because they are defeated. And I don't care how powerful their voices are. I don't care how threatening they want to be. They're all defeated. We have little kids standing against the enemy. Five, six-year-old kids just refuse to be tormented by this stuff that's going on in their house. Okay. Well, this youth pastor, we didn't, go any, we didn't get anywhere with him. Bill was with me. We didn't have enough time. So he's going to meet his pastor the next day. The pastor does not believe and wicked spirits. This guy was out of it now. He's not under the enemy's influence, but he's still in trouble. And he said, pray for me. I don't want to meet with a pastor. He doesn't believe in this stuff, and I don't know what's going to happen. Well, he met with a pastor. We went on to New Jersey to speak, Bill and I did. And so he met with a pastor. He found out later on the pastor started fooling with him. The, the demons knew that the pastor didn't believe in this. This kid jumped up onto the pastor and knocked him in his chair on the floor. And the church people had to come and pull the youth pastor who works for the pastor off the pastor. And the pastor says he has a lot of repressed anger. I'm sorry. Look at his eyes. Spooky. <laughs> you know, anger may be awful, but it's not spooky. Anyway, this youth pastor came to stay. And what's interesting, the home he stayed in was the name of one of the men that the demons were going to use to tear that church down. Isn't that unique? And I never told that family that, you know, it's this guy the demon spoke out of and talked about what he was going to do. So anyway, he's sitting there, and he would go in and out of demonic stuff. He'd be there with me, and then nobody's home. Hello? 
Well, anyway, all of a sudden, he was getting pretty bad. He says, I'm going to leave here. And I'm going, you're not leaving here like this. Who's driving the car? You or a, a demon-possessed guy driving the car, and you're not going to run over people in the parking lot. You know, when you come out of my office, we could get sued or something for this. So <clears throat> I sat close to this guy with an open Bible in my lap, because we always counsel from a Bible. And fascinating thing, he said, I'm going to rip your throat out. But when he said that, his hand went right up to my throat. I'm going to rip your throat out. Now, I'm a jumper. So don't try me in the hallways. <laughs> but I'm not going to go <laughs> with a demon. I refuse. And God helps me never to go when they do something you don't expect. You're having a nice, quiet Bible time. And some guy's going to rip your throat out. And he was young. And his hand came right up like this, and he could not close his fingers on my throat. What does the word God say? I am in Christ, the wicked and what? Touches me not. He couldn't close his fingers on my throat. So he jumped up, and he said, I'm going to go. I'm leaving. I said, no, you're not. In the name of Jesus, you sit on that couch. I have to go to the bathroom. You can't get off that couch until I come back. <laughs> and he says, like this. I'm sitting down because I want to. And so I left, went to the bathroom, and he was still on the couch. I mean, I'm not trying to be funny, but I'm just telling you, I'm not going to wet my pants because some demon's scaring me. You know what I'm saying? You got to go, you got to go. <laughs> and I want to give you one more. I could tell you so many stories of people that have tried to kill me in counseling. Are you afraid? No. I mean, I'm 78 years of age. I got knee problems. I had a stroke. Sometimes I use a cane. And I get these young whippersnippers like some of you guys. So you got more muscles and brains, you know. <laughs> you know, come on. You know, I, I can't wrestle you guys. You, you wipe me out with your little finger. But God's on my side. See what I'm trying to tell you? I'm an old man. I've been threatened by demons to kill me right there, and I know who I am in Christ, and I'm not afraid. And remember, I was the guy that was fearful that you would reject me. But being rejected by demons isn't so bad. I'll tell you that. It's not bad. <clears throat> if you're accepted by demons, you, you need to come and see us. Okay. <clears throat> but I'm sitting there. Here's another missionary. I can tell you a bunch of missionary stories because I travel all over the world speaking and working with missionaries. And I was sitting with this missionary, with a Bible on my lap, this missionary has come to the prayer conferences almost every single one in the Northwoods. But this is way back years ago. And this guy is wonderful, but he has some really bad baggage. And he's sitting there, and after he came to freedom, it was late at night, he looked at me and he said, Jim, I was going to leap on you and attack you. And I said, why didn't you? He said, there was an angel with a sword standing between us. I had another guy tell me the same thing. I never saw them. I have many friends where they have the angels around them. People saw they were going to attack them, but they couldn't get through the hedge. Kids, this stuff is real. It really is real. It's not just a bunch of theories and a bunch of whatever. It's wonderful. You guys are on the winning team. You know that if you join the team. You're winners. You're not losers. 
I'm not saying you have to go around and be the demon caster you know, of the neighborhood or whatever. But I'm just saying if you don't need to be afraid of the enemy. He knows he's defeated. He knows where he's going. He knows what the end is. He just doesn't want you to know that. I could give you more stories of God's protection. And it's wonderful. I have never... Oh, i got to tell you one. It was Gothard. I could have wrung Gothard's neck. I was really tired. I was wore out. We're going to go traveling somewhere together. I can't remember when. It was a number of years ago. I show up at his office. What I want to do is find a place to crash and go to sleep. And Gothard said, I've got a guy I want you to see. Well, I know it wasn't just, oh, look at the student. He's really handsome. I don't think that's what he meant. And I'm going, yes, I'm supposed to serve with a smile. And uh, so the last thing I want to do is to be involved with some demonic character. And I'd had a real bad week before. Not every one of our weeks is happily ever after. You know what I mean? Sometimes people don't want to get free. They don't want to deal with issues, all that kind of stuff. So it was just, I was just not really fit for human consumption. I just didn't feel... So Bill sends me down. You ever been there? You know the place where the print shop, the other building? It wasn't Bill's building, but the other building down the hill. I go down the hill, and they got me in a room that I think before was the coat closet when you first come in, and they have a table and chair, and when you put your chairs out, they're against the wall. I mean, if you're in there, back in there, you can't get out unless you climb over the table. There's no way you can get around these chairs when they pull them out. So I come in. I was just out of it. I mean, really emotionally drained, physically tired, not in the best shape to deal with demons, especially if they're real active. This guy was sitting here at the table. I was at the end of the table. At least it was by the door, so if it got really bad, I could run out and say, go get Bill. Serge, <laughs> 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 you're right. I sick him back on you. <laughs> so I'm sitting there, and the demons begin to speak out of this guy. I said, let's pray. I, I need some prayer, and I'm praying, and I'm praying for wisdom. And I stop, and this guy starts, demons start speaking out of him in some language. I don't know what it was. <laughs> it made me mad. I said, if you're going to talk to me, speak in English. They switched. <laughs> you know, like, I don't know. All this stuff. I don't have an interpreter. You know, they can speak any language. They don't have a language problem. And he spoke in English. And for a second there, fear came over me. You know, I mean, it just was, this has never happened before. You know, trying to kill me, that's one thing, but speaking to me in languages I don't know, that's another thing. You know, it was just a different situation. I was really vulnerable, and I started to fear, and I don't know who the guy was, but his eyes were awful. I mean, if you've ever been a horribly demonized person, if you took a picture, they could put it in a movie and all the people would scream and go home. Put it at the end of one of these horror movies they have because it is really creepy to see this in someone's face. And it made me so mad when they did that that I reached over and I grabbed his hand because I felt so sorry for him. And perfect love cast out my fear. Do you see that? I was beginning to experience fear and I was getting all wrapped up in who? Me, instead of focusing on this poor guy that the enemy had such control in his life, you know, that it could speak out whatever they wanted to out of his mouth. And I just reached out and grabbed him, and he came to freedom. 
Guys, the word of God is what? True. I hope you find it true in your personal life. Okay. Why do we pray? Number one, God commands us to pray. God commands us to pray. God, who's already ordained the end, ordained the means to the end. And the means to the end is prayer. Psalms 2a, you could write, write that down. Ask of me and I will make, God said. Ask me, I will make. Luke 10, 9 and 10, I love this one, where it is, ask, seek, knock, receive, find, and open. I mean, I'm just giving you a few prayer promises. Luke 18.1. We should pray always and not give up. I mean, that's just a little, I, I'm telling you, go through the Bible and look at prayer. You want to know, you want to get the best book on prayer? The Bible's not a bad one, let me tell you, to go through and mark what God said about prayer and the promises. See, God chooses to honor our obedience. Charles Spurgeon used to say, when I don't pray, coincidence don't happen. And when I pray, coincidence happen. You say, well, it's not lucky you prayed because it happened. Yeah, I was really lucky. I mean, yeah. You know, the world doesn't hardly understand, but you understand. And this is a statement, and then we can't go into it, but John Wesley made this statement. He believed it with all his heart. He said, God does nothing but an answer to prayer. If you don't pray about it, it ain't happening. Basically, is what Wesley said. And the guy, I quoted on this, but he says, but God does not promise to, un, un, to act unless we seek him first and he may want us involved in what he does. God already knows the end, doesn't he? Is God shocked about who's in this room and who isn't? No. He's got you here. God knows that. And God wants you to pray. Uh, a verse that you know, you know, where it says pray about everything, but let me give you another verse. You never think of it as a prayer promise. I'm if you do, I'd be really surprised, because I didn't. Proverbs 3, 6. All thy ways acknowledge him, and he will what? Direct your paths or make your path straight. You know, that's, that's praying, acknowledging him. It's praying to him. In all your ways, pray to him. And you know, all your ways, you know what that means in the Greek? Or Hebrew, pardon me. It means all your ways. <laughs> Real profound. It means everything. God will direct your paths. See, prayer is for us, not God. Why is it for us? Because God promised to answer prayer, and as he answers our prayer, it makes us want to spend what? More time with him. In your prayer time, share ramas with God. Bless people that have hurt you. And Bill asked me to throw this one in. Pray for the lost and pray for opportunities to witness. The church I was going to in Kansas City, or, I mean in Sioux City where we live, the pastor said, pray, pick out a house or pick out a person in your neighborhood and start praying for them. So right across my driveway, if I go out of my driveway in the wintertime with ice and everything, I back right up in the driveway right across the street, go down the hill. You can't go up the hill in ice. 
So there's a, a young guy living there. I thought he might be a doctor. I didn't know a single guy living right across from my house. I started praying for him. And every time I pray, I say, Lord, how do I reach this guy? And he gets out of the car and he walks in, you know. And um, I could ring the doorbell. Hi, I'm the demon caster from across the street. Do you have any demons you need casted today? <laughs> I mean, what, what do you do to a stranger? I, I'm not real good at, at, you know, grabbing a guy by the throat. You know, if you die today, would you burn in hell? And he says, let go of me or you're going there. <laughs> so I kept praying and praying and praying. And I knew that God was going to give me an opening. But I had to look for it. You understand? I'm Is it God's will that any should perish? Was this young doctor lived across the street from me? Was he being any? And God didn't want him to perish. So I'm praying in the will of God. And so it, it took a long time. I'm out. We have a, there in the city, we have sidewalks, and then we have grass in the street, and often there's trees. And I'm out there pulling some weeds out of the grass. And this doctor drives down the hill, so he has to back in his driveway, and I see him. I knew his name, and I said his name. I said, man, you look terrible. And um, he said, Jim, I'd really like to talk to you. Hey, this is it. You know, I've been praying, praying, praying. I could always just say, hi, you know, goodbye, you know. And uh, so he pulled the car in. I walked in, and he said, Jim, it's terrible. I said, what happened? He said, I was, I didn't know. He had been run over by a car when he was a kid, and his whole pelvis was crushed. And uh, as a doctor, he's having real problems of standing all the time. He's had all kinds of surgeries. But what he did, he has a dog he loves. And when he would come home, living alone, the dog would come and wag his tail. <laughs> really excited him. He loved this dog. And he's, uh, he could, uh, in line, online, whatever it's the skates, whatever you call those things. But anyway, he's doing that down at the, our river. They have a beautiful place where you can skate up and down the huge Missouri River there. They spent millions of dollars. And the dog is running, and he has a seizure. So the dog is having seizures. He takes the dog to veterinary clinic after veterinary clinic all night long. He took this dog to veterinary clinics. And I said, oh, I feel really bad. I said, I'd like to quote a scripture for you. I'm putting myself on the limb. I mean, way out on the limb. I said, when I was in Guatemala working with Wycliffe Bible translators, there's a verse in the Bible that says that God cares for you. And the word cares means object of concern or matter of his care. And I said, I shared that with the Wycliffe Bible translators, and a guy had just translated this in the Mayan dialect. And this is how he translated this verse for the Mayan Indians, where he was working way up in the mountains. What concerns you concerns God. And I said, I'm going to pray to God to heal your dog. He got tears. You really would do that? I said, yes. I'm going to pray that God is going to heal your dog. So he was driving down to the big Ames, Iowa, where the huge Iowa University is, and they have a huge... Uh, you know, veterinary school down there. He's taking his dog down there, and I'm talking to God, and I said, I didn't say, God, if you let this dog die, I'm out of here, but I, going, I won't be happy. <laughs> oh, God. I've never prayed that God would heal a dog before, but God, if you heal this dog, I know that's an opening of me sharing Christ with this guy. 
That is the door that you've opened for me to get into this guy's life. And he came back, and the dog was healed. And we became really good friends. And he, um, he was a Christian, but had kind of fallen away. He accepted Christ in the hospital at 13 when some pastor prayed with him when he, you know, when he ran, was run over by a car. And he said, Jim, I really feel bad. I wanted to go to one of your prayer things. I wanted to go to one of your demon meetings or whatever. He said, I wanted to go hear you. We've become such good friends, but I have to go to the university. I'm going to have to become a, an anesthetist because they sit down. They don't stand. I'm not going to be able to stand and do surgery or things like that because of my infirmities. And so it was really neat. I mean, I had such a close relationship with this guy because God healed his dog. Let me give you one more to let you know how much faith I had. We got a call from a guy in Sioux City, and he said, my son's dying. Can we bring him in to see you? I really didn't want to see him. They wanted me to pray over him, anoint him with oil. His son's dying. He's four years old. I said, sure. I mean, how can you tell people no? So they bring him into our office, and the boy was about four. The mom sat down on the couch. The boy's arm fell off the, mom, the lap and just hung down. He had no strength to pull it up. The mother had to pull the arm and put it on his lap. He looked like he was, if he wasn't dead, I didn't know if he'd be alive when they left the office. I mean, I now saw a kid so close to death. They told me that he had an operable brain cancer. They flew him out to San Francisco to the, the most powerful brain child specialist out there, and he took, you know, cut him here and took the, the cranium off and looked inside, and he said it was like a blackberry bramble of the cancer, which is all, there's no way they could do anything. If they took his brain out, he'd be dead, and there's no way to get to the cancer. It was just, just a terrible mess. So they said, go home and let him die. You know, that's all we can do. Make it comfortable, let him die at home. Well, the mom said, God told me the boy's not going to die. God's going to heal him. And God's going to use me in our office. We're not a healing office. We deal with demons, lady. <laughs> no, I didn't say that. I'm going, oh, no. You know. So I got the oil, and I anointed the kid, and we did, you know, the, Bill quoted it. Remember in, in James 5, we did the James 5 thing. I, I wanted to do everything biblically. And the mom said, he's going to be healed. After we anointed him, he looked worse. I mean, his face was just white. And I took the dad, who was a doctor. I didn't know what kind of a doctor he was. I took him out in the, uh, in the hallway, and I said, what are you going to do when, when the boy dies? How much faith did you hear there? Huh? Did you hear a lot of faith? Did you? You can get up and leave if you want to. <laughs> this guy got no faith. Well, I got faith over demons, but not over healing. That's not my, you know thing. But I felt bad because I just want to maybe commit suicide. You know, God told me, my boy's going to live. The doctor says he's going to die. The top specialist in America said the kid's dying. I'm looking, can't you see, mom? He's dying. You know, I don't know if he'd be alive when you get him home. You know, and I prayed over him, anointed him. He didn't jump up and run around and play marbles. Oh, I felt awful. I said, God, I feel awful. I, why? I just don't have faith. 
You know, I'm not going to fake it. Oh, I believe, I believe. No, I don't believe. I mean, yeah, can God heal? Yes, I believe God can heal. But do I know God's going to heal that boy? Uh Uh-uh. Do you understand? It's one thing to know God heals. Another thing to know he's going to heal this boy specifically, like the mom said. Anyway, I lost track of them. I kept looking for, you know, when they're going to have the funeral. At least I could show up, even though I didn't know this family. Well, I went to the, um, the, there were 10 heart specialists in Sioux City that were going through my book on the demonic, you know, reclaiming surrendered ground. They were going through that book. And they, I didn't know that. And they were meeting once a week in the heart cath lab, going over my book, discussing, because they thought it, it really made a lot of sense. Because I said, this makes some, it's balanced. You know, it's not all spooky book where you, you, you want to read it in the morning so you're not so scared that you can't go to sleep at night because you read the book, uh, that kind. And uh, so I'm in there, and the doctors are introducing themselves. Well, I do this, I do this, I do this. And this guy said, do you remember me? I said, well, you know, you look familiar. But see, I don't remember you exactly. He said, oh, I'm the one that brought my son there, and I'm just bracing myself, you know, for the anointing and healing. Uh, and to give my condolences. And he said, uh, after he left your office, he got better and better and better. We took him out to San Francisco. They opened his skull up, looked in. He said, you know that that cancer was only the size of a lemon? And we just lifted it out. He said, that kid's running all over and everything. I can't thank you enough for praying for him. See, and I re-looked at scriptures. There's three reasons why God heals. He healed because of the faith of the person. Remember the guys that dropped the guys through the roof? Remember he was a paralytic? It wasn't the paralytic's faith, Jesus said. It was what? Their faith that brought him is why he was healed. And you see that in other scriptures there. It was the faith of the person that brought the sick person not the sick person's faith that healed them. And then the third is Jesus just healed anyway, where there's no mention of faith at all. I always like to go through the Bible and look at everything, everything there is about certain things. Well, guys, I just want you to know that you're on the winning team, that you have no idea if you will surrender to the Lord the power of God that could be in your life, and not power to be used wrongly, but power to give glory to God. There are so many hurting people out there that are looking for answers. They're looking for reality. If someone came to you and said, does prayer work? You say, yep, yep. Would you tell me one real phenomenal answer to prayer you had? Um, Now I lay me down to sleep. I didn't die before I wake. You know when they taught me that as a kid? I learned how to beat that one. Don't go to sleep. (laughs) Who wants to die before you wake? Little kid, three years old. (gasps) The death angel will come tonight. <laughs> I mean, isn't that an awful prayer when you think about it? Preparing kids to die if they die in their sleep? Oh, man, it's when all kids don't have horrible nightmares. <laughs> but, but see, can you prove that God is real? Can you prove by a life experience that God exists? How can you prove it? You believe the Bible. Fine. But people want more than you believe the Bible. There are people out there that believe their books too. I mean, do you love the Lord enough to blow yourself up in a car 
in Iraq. Right? To wear an explosive death and just blow yourself up for your faith in Muhammad? Now, I'm not telling you to blow yourself, but you understand what I'm saying? I mean, these people don't have the truth. We've got the truth, and there's no power. That's what Bill was talking about, power. We need to see God's power. He releases his power through people. Father, I just pray. I pray that these young people would realize that they've got to develop a prayer life. They have to have a secret place where they go and meet with you and open their hearts up and talk to you. Allow you to talk to them. Allow you to give instructions to them about the day or whatever. Lord, that they would know that the Bible is not only true and inspired, but can be true in their own personal life and walk with God. Father, I love that song. I come to the garden alone, for the Lord walks with me, the Lord talks with me, and the Lord tells me I'm his own. How precious it is to have the Lord say, Logan, I love you. Logan, I got this for you. I want to share this with you. Father, I thank you, and I pray that these young people don't have to get old to realize what they miss for years without developing an intimate relationship with you. And I thank you, Lord, for each and every young person. They didn't wander in here by mistake, even if they had to be here. It was part of your ordained thing, and I pray what Bill said when I said, somehow would grab a hold of them, and they would want to be men and women, godly men and women that could change the world where they live. And that you would thrust them out all over. And their lives would really make a difference. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.